You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. My name is Matt Shiles, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pastor Josh Laxton. How you doing? Matt, doing well. It is great to be with you. It, it was a great weekend. It was. It was an awesome weekend. It was. I'm still tired from the weekend. Are you? <laughs> it, it was a lot of energy. A lot, lot of energy, but the Lord, He really did meet with us. And even for the night of worship, loved the students leading out and worship through song. And it was just great having them and had a really good time and a great gathering, too, of of Northlanders. So it was a great weekend all around. Well, and this weekend, the message, we're in uh, our Acts series, Empowered, and it was called Check Your Heart. (laughs) And it was a bit of a, uh, a, a heavy message, so... We're going we're gonna to dig into that. As a reminder, it's February 18th and 19th, and this was Acts 4, 32 through 5, 11. And we had the main point said two ways. We had check your heart so you'll help his church, and we also had check your heart so you don't hurt his church. Yeah, and you have to also you just keep in mind, too, as, as we go through the book of Acts, it's really important to keep in mind the totality uh, of the book of Acts. And so when you go back to chapter 1, you do see Jesus tell his disciples that you will be my witnesses mm. in in all the world, in Judea, Samaria, um, uh, and the uttermost parts of the world, right? And so, yeah, did I get the right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So. Yeah. The idea of witness. So, so depending on what's in your heart, mm. even if you're saved, if, if you let your fleshly nature take over, mm. then you can actually hurt his church through through a unhealthy witness. Yeah. But then if your heart is healthy and you're letting the, the nature of Christ and the power of the Spirit live through you, then you're you're going to actually help his church. Mm. So so always, you know, again, it's, it's just important to, to keep all of that in mind when we're going through the book of Acts. I think that's great because we can so easily just narrow in on a passage, especially this one, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, and just say, well, that wasn't fair, right? And, um, and, and seeing and recognizing the, the bigger picture helps us understand the importance. Yeah. And, and you bring up an interesting point, that isn't fair. Yeah. Because when when I deal with the question, or anybody deals with the question of, well, it's not fair that God sends people to hell who's never heard. Well, okay, how are you how are you looking at that? If you are looking at it from a anthropocentric or a man centered perspective, of course you're going to see it as unfair. If you look at it from a God-centered perspective, mm. it's totally fair, yeah. you know, because we get what we deserve. Mm. And and so, and that's why I always tell them in terms of the, the fairness of, well, if they've never heard, is un, you know, it's unfair. Well, then won't you, won't you give up your life so that they can hear, you know? So, you know, you're sitting over here talking about how unfair it is. Well, then won't you at least from, a, if you're trying to look at it from even a man-centered perspective, well, try to level the playing field and answer that call to go. I mean, that's why we do missions so that the world might know 
uh, because, yes, we want them to know the goodness and the grace of God, that he has sent a Savior, a Redeemer, a Deliverer. So let, let's make it known. And so, anyways, it's always interesting to hear that question about fairness. Well, it's just unfair. Well, yes, unfair if you look at it from purely a, a man point of view. Yeah, yeah, good point. I've got you fired up already. I yeah, like well, it. I mean, you, you, well, you, like five it was that, but it was that trigger word. It was a trigger word. Fair, you, got you, you know. Okay, good. well, yeah, see, <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's not fair. Well, I mean, yeah. it's like kids. Yeah, I mean, well, that's not fair. Well, yeah, from your perspective, it's not yeah. fair. Yeah. But you don't, you don't know the like. We're, we're, it's not that we're trying to be unfair. Yeah. But but here's here's here maybe a, a better word. Just. Mm. See, God is a just God. And he never he's never unfair. He's always just. Mm-hmm. And so that that's why we, we have to again we have to look at look at our lives, the church, and obviously as we dig you know deeper into this passage in extra takes, we'll, we'll look at it again from the perspective of God. Yeah, so we had we had six heart checks yeah. that we that we went through. We're gonna try to get through them all today. And that first one is uh it's is what's yours his, and the 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 line that I pulled out here was our ownership de- determines our stewardship. Yeah, I mean, and you know, we don't have to spend too you know too long on this one because I I do feel like we 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 hit this one pretty hard even in our generosity series. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's always helpful to have that reminder. Mm-hmm. Because we we do have the proclivity to see our things again, our time, our talents, and and our treasures as ours. And again, if we see them as ours, then we we will see us as the owner that dictates how we steward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and this is why we do have to check our heart because again, and and this this idea of checking our heart is. By asking these questions, we're we're actually seeing who's in control of our heart, mm. because your answer will determine who's in control. Mm. And in and, and, and the case of Ananias and Sapphira, you, you know, the spirit of God wasn't in control. In the case of Barnabas, spirits in control. Mm. And so this is why we we, we want to be a people. Northland Church wants to be a people filled and controlled by the spirit of God. Mm. And what we see with Ananias and Sapphira, even though they, I believe that they were saved. You know, there, there is there is debate: were they saved? Were they not? I actually believe because Peter's going to say, "Why, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You, in some sense, you've you've let Satan take control when the Spirit should have been in control." Mm. And so, and, and and it wasn't obviously Ananias's intention to do that, but it was but it was how he was allowing his body to be controlled that determined whether or not the spirit was filling and controlling his heart versus Satan filling and controlling his heart. Mm. Yeah. Which I mean that that that's deep too in itself. So so does that mean for a believer that we can let Satan take control again if we are filled with our sinful desires. That's why so Paul's going to say in Galatians chapter 5 be filled with the Spirit so that you will not gratify the desires of sinful flesh. And so Satan, obviously, it, it, it definitely seems by the passage that Satan has tempted Ananias to do that which was out of sync with the Spirit. 
And again, you, now you go back to Matthew chapter 4, where Satan was trying to tempt Jesus to do something that that was contrary, out of sync with the Father. Mm-hmm. And so, so again, yes, yeah, so Satan can tempt us, and by tempting us and us following through on the temptation is filling our heart. It's really a remarkable story. <laughs> remarkable, scary. I mean, it, it was funny to hear the to, to hear the gasps, yeah. you, you know, as I read the passage. Because you know, I think maybe for some people they were not as familiar with with that passage. And so, yeah, when you see two two people die in the church, yeah, yeah it's <laughs> it's it's take your breath away, right? It's probably not a favorite for a pa- for a pastor to preach about, right? No, I, no, I, it wasn't a fa- you know, uh, it, it was one where you enter into it with fear and trepidation because you, you have to also look at your own heart. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you want the text to deal with you before you let the text deal with others. Mm. And then you know that how it dealt with you, you're thinking, okay, well, I, I just pray and, and, and hope that people will have a soft heart. You know, be, because there could be multiple reactions when, when you read a passage and hear a passage preached mm. like this one. So, yeah. Yeah, that that's a great point that I probably hadn't considered before. You, you letting the passage deal with you first gives you a bit of an insight into how how the congregation, how we might receive it, how we might be hit over the head with it. Yeah, and it, uh, and it, I'm sure it influences the way you deliver it and the way you approach it. Uh, yeah, a- absolutely. But in any message that I that I ever deliver, I always want it to impact me first. I want it to bring conviction and transformation in my own life, which is why I feel like I'm so passionate about it when when I do deliver it. Yeah, I, I've had time to wrestle with it. I've had time to let it do a work in my own heart, mm. and knowing. Knowing the the work it did in my heart, I really do want that same work. Want the Lord to do that same work in other people's heart. And so I've I've, I've heard how delivering a message, in which I, I'm a man, so I have never will never deliver a baby. But I've I've heard delivering a message is like delivering a baby. You know it. You know the baby sits with you, and you just cannot wait. And uh, to to give birth to that baby, and when when you give birth, there's this great joy, mm. uh, but you also are tired because there's been a lot of a uh, lot of energy exerted when you've delivered it as well. Which is why I also say to people that when when I preach, and particularly this weekend with this kind of message, the amount of amount of spiritual, emotional, and even physical energy. That there was this power that went out. So there's a there's a story in the Gospels where a woman she had uh, blood disorder uh, for years. She she had bled, and she just thought to herself, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus's garment, I'll be healed. And so she touches the just the hem of his garment. And she was healed, but he felt power go out. Mm. And I said, that's the way I feel like when, when I when I preach in the power of the Spirit, that there is this power that goes out, and that yeah, you're you're kind of depleted, yeah. you, you know. Uh, and I'm not Jesus, so that's why I feel like I, I'm more depleted than sure. than anything. So yeah. yeah, great. So looking at this second heart check, uh, it's would you allow a cut in your living for you to increase your giving? Um, you talked about holding things too tightly, you know, let's hold Jesus tightly and the rest loosely. Yeah. 
So the question is, how, how do we let go and give it to God when we realize this is an issue? Well, yeah, well, let me, I'll back up, you know, because here, let's read this question again. Okay. Would you allow a cut in your living for you to what? Increase. Increase. So, so there's already this underlying premise that you are giving. Mm. And, and what, we, what we do know is that the way we ought to just give normally is going to be a cut in our living. So, so again, think about it that way, yeah. is that when, when we give a tithe, I mean, again, nowhere, no, no other person is, is being asked to, to take a percentage off the top and, and to give to, to God. Right, and so, but but believers are we we are called to give and to give generously mm-hmm. to the Lord. So so again, would you allow a cut in your living for you to increase your giving? Again, there's already a cut being being had, yeah. and so but but if you've never now here's the thing: if you're sitting here right now, you're listening, and you've never given financially to the church, well then this would this would be a great question too to ask: is would you allow a cut in your living for you to increase your giving? You're saying I'm not giving anything. Well then you well yeah you need to actually start departing with something in your life so that you can start giving. Yeah. So so again, uh, but but again the premise is that as a believer you're already giving. Mm. And so if needs begin to arise, would you be willing to to cut depart with something else for you to give? And so, you know, and and Joni and I we've we've thought through the years of what what we are departing from when it comes to to, to our giving. You know, we are departing from a car we would like to have. From a car that we will settle to have, uh, from a vacation that we would like to have, mm-hmm. to a vacation that we just can't afford to have. Like you, you know, we we can't do some of these things. Like I mean, so like uh, I and I could actually build out a list of all of the things that we forego, um, you know, so that we can give. But if God puts it on our heart to increase our giving, what would what are we willing to cut? Right, because it, it's got to be a cut in our living somewhere, right? So, yeah. that's a very tough question to mm-hmm. answer, mm-hmm. because we do love our stuff, mm-hmm. and and it's okay to to appreciate your stuff. It, it's okay to like your stuff, and, and to a degree, it's okay to love your stuff. But don't don't let that love become idolatrous, mm-hmm. where you can never depart from it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make a mention of it in the eleven o'clock about children. Because I was having a conversation with a couple this this past weekend, and I was telling them of a conversation I had with my mom when I was a senior in high school. Because okay. I had already been called into ministry. Mm. I didn't know what that meant other than I was going to serve the Lord. And I, listen, my, my yes was on the table. Mm. And when I was a senior in high school, for the last four years, I had been going to Romania too. And so I had a heart. Yeah. For the nation, so I just told my mom, and I, I did. T- I did tell my dad, but I told my mom. I remember it. Said I, when I graduate, I'm not going to come back. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I don't love you or dad. I like, love y'all, but I love God, and I'm going to follow Him wherever He takes me. Mm-hmm. 
And and I know that's hard for a mom to hear. I mean, and I do know that that moms have have a different type of connection, even a deeper connection to their children than even dads have. It's like, again, it's not to say that we don't have a connection to our children, but w- when you give birth to something and 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 a human being comes out from you, I, listen, I can understand where it might be a de- de- you know a deeper, more intimate connection. So I understand saying that to my mom was very hard. Mm. And maybe that's why she cried on the day she dropped me off for college. But, but I, want, I want all parents who are believers, you want your child, your children, to follow God wherever he takes them. And he, he might take them to Egypt. He might take them to China. He might take them to Afghanistan. He might take them out of the state. I mean, you don't know. But 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 if you put this kind of a yoke or burden on them that they need to stay close, they're they're in they're in lies at least for a Christian. Mm. Some tension there that we have to be willing to release our children to follow the Lord wherever the Lord might lead, and that is a cut in in, in our living to be able to increase. And it really goes back to even Hannah. In the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel, where she she had prayed that the Lord would give her a child and that she would dedicate him. And so she has Samuel. And could you imagine how how hard it was for Hannah to go and dedicate him to the Lord and give him back yeah. to the Lord through dedicating him actually to the temple to Eli. Say, here you go. Yeah. I mean, like, so that I know that's hard, but that is that is a, a good example of how sometimes even in our culture, even in in the church world, we can make idols out of our children as opposed to releasing them to the Lord. Mm. Well, and that really uh, that flows into the next one, next heart check, which is is your giving an act of surrender. Um. And specifically for the church, you said a, a church with healthy hearts has helping hands. Yeah, that I, I hope people set with that one because to be part of the church it is to serve the body. Yeah. Because again, if you if you look at your heart. Like and and if you're gonna live out, so one of the things I said early on was that that human beings have a heart problem. We have a heart disease. Mm-hmm. Jesus died for our sin, so he died for our for our heart mm-hmm. because we we have a diseased heart. Mm-hmm. Our, our thoughts, and again, remember spiritually, the heart is the central control panel of our life. It controls the thoughts and the behaviors. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, because. Because we have an unhealthy, disease-stricken, sinful heart, therefore all of our actions and behaviors are sinful. That's why, like, it, we might do something good, but if we do something good outside of the fact that we've done it for God's glory, it's still bad. Yeah. Like so. So again, like when Jesus died, he he died for our sin. He he died for our sinful heart to forgive us. And he gave us a heart transplant and a blood of infusion because we deserve to die. So uh, he 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 was killed so that we might live. 
So he gives us, you know, you can all, you can, you know, use that analogy of he gave a blood infusion and a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. So, so if we are, if we are God's children and we now have Jesus's heart living inside of us, what do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Well, you, again, you, you hope and pray that you're going to be more and more like Jesus. You're going to look more like him. So therefore, if you have Jesus' heart living inside of you and you're part of his body, the body that he died for, mm-hmm. not only are you going, you're going to sacrificially serve the body. Yeah. Why? Because that's how he did it. So therefore, if, if, you want to, if you want to see whether or not you are healthy, are you helping? Yeah. And, and because here's the thing. If you're not helping, you're hurting. Mm. So if, if you're not helping... If you're not contributing, mm. you're you're actually hurting. I mean that that's that's why that was why the play you know. So Barnabas, you're helping. Thank you, brother. Ananias and Sapphira, you're you're actually hurting. And I know that's unintentional, but you're actually hurting mm. because because and we'll get into it in a second. But but you haven't dealt you, you haven't dealt with something that's in your heart that actually would hurt. The church. Yeah, and you've talked about not wanting to manipulate or persuade when it comes to giving, when it comes to serving, yeah. um, and I think this is this explains why. Yeah, I used to have a, a pastor in in my life years ago. He would he would say, and I, I've used the statement every now and then: when when you give, it makes a difference. When you don't give, it makes a difference. Yeah. And so, but but do you want the difference to be the contribution and the positive, or do you want the not giving that still makes a difference to be taken away, or prohibiting the church to be able to do something God might be calling the church to do? Man, there's a heaviness about this. We haven't even gotten halfway through yet. <laughs> no, yeah. So I know it, it, yeah, even the podcast, like, I'm sitting here thinking, do I say it? Do I say it? But no, you say it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Say so. it. Um, that leads to the next part is is number four, heart check number four. Am I pretending to deliver what I promised? <laughs> this was a big one. Well, yeah, because now we're getting, you know, because the first three embody really Barnabas and yay. I mean, and, and but, it, but it's still heavy to answer those questions. But now you're getting into really these questions that are more based upon Ananias and yeah. Sapphira, which... Seem to be even weightier. Yeah. Right. So yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny. The question I had for this one was, when you have a challenging message to share with us, what does your prep look like? You already kind of talked about it. Um, you know, my my thought was, does this does this happen all at once? Is this gradual? Does this really hit you? So, um, well, you, you probably saw this one coming. Well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, because I've preached on this passage before, but th- but this one particularly, am I pretending to deliver what I promised? When when I when I came to know Jesus, I was eight years old, and when I really got serious, and and I mean this, when I actually really got serious, and and it, and the light bulb kind of went off about, okay, this is actually what it means to follow yeah. Jesus. I was eleven. Hmm. And then I was called into ministry at 15. So between, you know, I was 14, go, you know, turning 15. I remember being such a Pharisee. 
mm-hmm. at 15 mm-hmm. and 16. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I, I went around going, I mean, I'm preaching. People love me. People can't believe that, I mean, I'm so mature mm-hmm. at the age I am. And so, and then I would look at other other stu, you know, I say other peers that weren't following Jesus and just had this like piety uh, uh, about me. And I'm telling you, like, I, I, I was a, I was a spiritual jerk. Mm. I, I was, I was a Pharisee, and I do believe that if we're not careful, all of us have have a tendency to go into that. Yeah. And so, because then I would start, because again, I grew up in a background that 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 also lent itself to being very legalistic. So don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And Scripture didn't even say all of that. Yeah. Like what they, what they were trying to do is build actually fences to protect you from moving into that, you know, moving into a sinful lifestyle. Yeah. But, but again, building fences that the Scriptures didn't build. Mm. And, so, and so I built them too. So again, I mean, it was part of the context, but then also part of just where I was in my season. And from that moment until I was third, 30, mm. 31, I was that way, and Jesus broke me, hmm. and I'm so glad he did, hmm. and, and it was a process of him breaking me. That's why when I look back at some of some of the bad experiences I had w- w- with leading churches, some, some of the, the life situations that uh, I, I had gone through because of my, my spiritual pride, hmm. I see that as the gracious breaking in my life, God's gracious breaking in my life. So when I when I do heart check number four, am I pretending to deliver what I promised? I I, I was the person that that actually went around giving the appearance that I was perfect. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I, I was I was actually far from it. Now I I had this aura that I had it all together, mm. and yes, I I do believe, and I was I, I was saved, but but I went around with this pride and with my nose stuck up uh, up up in the air and like look at me, like even when I was when even in my early years of pastoring, mm. I wanted to please people mm. because there there was under uh, underneath the surface. I needed people's praise in order to fill my identity mm. and to bring like like but you know again I but I had all of this aura that I had it all together. Now I mean I I, I was jacked up. I, I was broken. And and so so that's where like for for me like the reason why it wasn't really hard to preach that point mm. is is <laughs> because I I actually have been broken of that. Because I, I was a pretender, yeah, and so I, I I read a book years ago called True Face, mm. and you know I actually had to embrace my my, my true identity mm. in Jesus because underneath that I was broken, mm. and so uh, and, and that's where when you look at what Ananias and Sapphira are doing, they are pretending to be radically generous when they're not, yeah, and again they could have been generous. But they're pretending to be uber generous, mm-hmm. aside from what you, you know, aside from what they had said, mm-hmm. and so you know that's where you, you just need to own, own who you are, 
Um, and, and and that is such a huge point because I do feel like we are living in a day and age where there's a lot of pretending going on. Yeah. Man, you are. We're going deep today. That was. Um, I I love that phrase. You've used it before. You even used it during the the interview process. The gracious breaking of God. Yeah. And um and and obviously there's um. There's a personalness to this. There, there seems, after hearing that story, there seems to be a, um, a pleading, a yearning for just, you know, those that need to hear it, yeah. right, in various ways to and just have this be the, the moment that, you know, gets them. It does. And the, the, the place where the gracious breaking of God it comes from it actually comes from Genesis 32 when God wrestles with Jacob mm. because Jacob was one of those that he's constantly trying to cling to something that will satisfy him yeah and in that passage in Genesis 32 he's about to meet his brother who's really ticked off at him Esau and in in that night, God meets with him and begins to wrestle with him. And it's kind of in that where he's where Jacob clings to this this visitor. He doesn't know who it is. Yeah. Till later, he understands it's God. Yeah. But he's like, I won't will not let you go until you you bless me. And and even in that, what 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 God does is he dislocates Jacob's hip, takes it out of socket. And then lets him go. Yeah. And from from that moment on, Jacob will walk with a limp the rest of his days, but he will be a changed man. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it's like it's the gracious breaking of God. God, I, I would say, for every single person that He saves, He He needs to break you. And and I pray that that happens at the moment of your salvation when you repent and you place your faith and trust in Jesus because you realize how broken you are. But but there there are some some people and like me. I actually had to go through a fairly lengthy period of breaking, and it was like it was like breaking after breaking after breaking. To I actually had to get to the point of you know what I don't have it all together, and I need to own that. And I need to every single day I live, I need to live with a limp. I need to live in a state of brokenness because Jesus is the one. He He is the one putting me back together. He's the one sanctifying me. And, and so, and 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 that's where it, it came from, and that's where I see from from just a church perspective here in chapter five. I mean, when fear seized the whole body, it was okay. Uh, you, you know what? We we need to we need to process this. Yeah, yeah. And, and we need to have a healthy fear because we can relapse where we think we have it all together and we pretend to be something that we're not and God's not happy when that happens. And so, and then if you look at it in, in a couple of different ways, like so he's not happy when you come to him and you're still dating people. He's not happy when you come to him and you have you have mistresses that, that no one else knows about but you know about. So, but God's not happy because you're ultimately. And I had somebody tell me this morning that they never really thought about the fact that there there is a covenantal relationship that we have with God. Yeah, I mean that was the whole thing in the Old Testament is God saw Israel as His bride, yeah. and the whole. And then there there is a there is an Old Testament book called Hosea, mm-hmm. 
where the whole picture like so what 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 God tells Hosea to do. So Ho- Hosea is a preacher, he's a prophet, and he actually tells Hosea to marry Gomer, which is a prostitute. And the reason why he tells Hosea to do that is because he's going to mirror what Israel, what what he actually did with Israel. I married a prostitute yeah. because they married me, but yet they continue they continued to cheat on me. Mm. And but this is this is the mind blowing love of God, is that yes, does He still love Ananias and Sapphira? Absolutely. And this is again, I believe that Ananias and Sapphira they are saved. I do believe that we will see them in glory in the new city. <laughs> it will be quite a story, <laughs> you know. You kind of laugh about it at that point, but you ain't laughing about it right now, yeah. you, you know. But but even in their cheating. Even in their pretending, God loves them. Mm. And Jesus' blood covered their sin. Mm. But he knew this is an early moment in the church's movement mm. that he needed to make an example out of them. Yeah. And so, but that's where, hey, you're married. If you are a believer, you are married to Jesus. And, and so just make sure that, that you're not dating anybody. Mm-hmm. Make sure if you have any mistresses, you, you, you confess them to God. I'm sorry. I'm giving them over, mm-hmm. you know, to you. And then just make sure that you're not pretending to, to be this the spiritual giant. Because I would say even those that we claim throughout church history as spiritual giants, they would have never claimed that themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, sorry. Yeah, good but stuff. Yeah, don't please don't be sorry. That was great. So we've got two more. Uh, point five uh, from the six heart checks we have, do I see my small hidden sins as insignificant to God? Uh, and the principle here was small things left unchecked grow into things uncontrolled. <laughs> and uh, small sins are a great deal to God. So let me, I'm just going to make this statement. This is why if you are a believer and you're part of Northland, in a very loving way, we just won't put up with crap. Mm. Like if you gossip, mm. and and this is why we want, you know, again, we can't know every, but, but here's the thing, like we need to check small sins mm. because small sins that, that, that are left unchecked grow into large sins uncontrolled. Mm-hmm. And so that that that's why like I, one of the things that God has put on my heart for years this again this goes beyond Northland before Northland is that I I just want to be part of a church that takes holiness seriously. Mm. And and so I I want us to like again confrontation doesn't always it doesn't always have to be awkward. Yeah. And and so that that's that that's what I want want us to know is that if God takes sin seriously, regardless of how micro or macro it is, hmm. we need to take sin seriously. Now again, I, I don't expect people far from Jesus that that are what we would call lost or unsaved. Mm-hmm. I don't expect them to take sin seriously. So I, I'm not even going to put that on them. Yeah. But those who have been saved. The whole reason why we are saved 
is because we repented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so wh- why would we want to be a part of a church that that wouldn't even want to address a, a, a you know a, a small sin that they saw at, at a table we were at, mm-hmm. or you know a, a, a small sin that that we saw in an email. I I, I mean it's just like okay, I, I just want to be a part of a church. And again, I again I, I hope this doesn't sound like I'm trying to be like uber spiritual. I just think that at the end of the day, if God died, you know, if God sent His Son, if Jesus died for this. Then, then we actually need to take it pretty seriously. Yeah, and 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 if we don't, then again, like the third, you know, because I was talking about how do we know that God takes sin seriously? Well, that third reason why is well, just let's play it out to its logical conclusion. If God didn't deal with sin in His body, mm. if He didn't tell people how serious He was, and He just swept things under under the rug and let let them happen then the church would be no different than the world. Like, So go back to the sin of Achan. Mm-hmm. So the sin of Achan happened in the book of Joshua, and so God is going to use his people as a tool of judgment to, to judge the inhabitants of the land. Mm-hmm. Now, he had, he had let them live in that land for over 400 years because of his grace, mm-hmm. because of his patience. Mm-hmm. Because of his mercy. Mm. And we do see Rahab in Joshua chapter 2, like an inhabitant of Jericho. She actually came to faith in Yahweh, and she and her entire family is saved. Well, so it was actually at Jericho where Achan takes some of that, that bounty, and he takes it for himself. No one else knows. So again, pretending, right? And so, again, he doesn't think it's that big. And so this small small little thing, insignificant. I mean, gosh, we, we had all of this bounty that we gave to the, to the leaders, and they're, they're giving it to God. I mean, it's just, just a few little things, not that big of a deal. Sure. So they go to have another battle with the inhabitants of Ai, and they get beat. Mm. And Joshua, he's kind of whining. <laughs> he's like, God, I mean, I thought, I thought, you, I thought you were— going to give us victory. Yeah. And now we lost and we yeah. we experienced defeat. And, and it's actually kind of humiliating because we shouldn't have lost against them. I mean, yeah. if we were going to lose against anybody, it should have been Jericho, right? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> and, and, and God said, well, you, you got some sin in the camp. Yeah. But think about it. God cannot use his people as a tool for judgment when his people look just like the people that they are judging. Mm. Which is why, like, so when you read the book of Hebrews... And, and, and let me just kind of turn to it because I was actually reading it devotionally this morning. And I was reading the chapter, it's called The Hall of Faith, right? And, yeah. and it's like by faith, you know, by faith, Enoch, or, you know, yeah, Enoch, by faith, you know, uh, Abraham, by faith, like, so all of these. But, but listen to like Noah. This is, this is pretty. Pretty interesting when when he says this. By faith Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world. So so the so the building of the ark, which was the the salvation of Noah and his family. Mm. So he's doing that by faith. It actually, as he's building and constructing the ark, the, the, the world is actually standing condemned because of what he's doing by faith. Mm. And, and because the world's not going to come in 
They're, they're going to actually reject mm. the ark. I mean, you know, and so, so, so the church, our distinctiveness in the world is supposed to be a sign of God's judgment against the world. Hmm. But if his church has no longer any distinctiveness, then we can no longer be his tool to show the condemnation of the world. And so that's why he acts so vehemently hmm. against the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. Like it's like if you are going to be the witness of the inbreaking kingdom of God, part of that witness is to take sin seriously. And again, that and that, and I said this at the, I think I said this at the nine o'clock. And I man, I was like, I wish I said it at the eleven. But this is not a call to perfection; it is a call to confession. Oh man. So, so again, I, I, I want us to know that, like, so he's not – because Peter, he wasn't perfect. I mean, he, he's the one who denied Jesus three times, but he went out and wept bitterly with, with a repentant heart, with a confessional heart. So, so I, I want us to know as believers, God is not calling us to perfection, but he's calling us to confession. Hmm. See – Ananias and Sapphira, they just didn't deal with the, the small hidden sin in their heart. And so that's why we, we have to. We, we need, like some of you, you are, you are struggling in a sin right now. There's grace for you. Mm-hmm. And you might, and, and, and I'll read you know, this passage, but um, Romans 7, Paul says, what I want to do, I don't do. I, I get it. There, there, there's this, there, there can be these times and even these sins that we so struggle with that we don't want it anymore. But it seems like we constantly return to it day after day after day. Man, just as long as you don't get now, I'm not. And again, I'm not sitting here giving you a license to habitual sin, because Paul's going to say, "What shall we say then? Uh, shall, shall we say continue to sin that grace may increase? By no means." We've died to sin. How can we live to it any longer? So again, I'm not trying to give you a license here to sin, but I'm. But I understand. I know that there are people you are struggling, and, and you're trying to break the cycle. I want you to know that there is grace for you, but make sure your heart stays soft. Oh, that's good. So, um, yeah, you said this is not a call to perfection, a call to confession. Yep. And make sure your heart stays soft. Yep. What we want to avoid in those times is our heart, our hearts just being hardened. Yeah. To the to the working of God yeah. in our life. Yeah. And, and and part of the hardening of the heart could be, well, God's going to forgive me. I'll just keep doing it anyways. No, no, no. Please don't do that. Yeah, no. Like, like constantly say, I don't want to do this. I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to be like you, Jesus. I need you to take this desire from me. I need you yeah. to intervene. Like, stay there. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm just going to do it because, you know, I, there's forgiveness don't don't get don't play don't play that yeah you know in your mind don't play that record yeah play, play the record that yes it's I I don't want this I don't want this God take it from me spirit fill me empower me to say no whatever you know but and I think the a good question again that as you're riding in a car or as you're listening to this on, on your run what small sin is in your life that you don't think is a big deal hmm just go ahead. I mean, and that's part of the confession, you know, aspect 
is and before every time we take take communion, the Lord's Supper, this is a good question. Like, what what small sin is in my life that I don't think is a big deal that I need to confess right now? Yeah. So that's yeah. great. So so we're gonna get to okay. all six. We'll, we'll we end with this sixth question yep. in the sixth heart check, which is, who were you synced up with? And I think this is this can be um, either an encouragement <laughs> or a word of warning. Right. As certainly here, it's um, it can be seen as a word of warning. But but who are we synced up with? Good and bad, friends, family, because um, and, and something you said um, specifically to the men, ex- especially I know you said at the eleven said beware with how you lead your family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, to Jesus and not away from Him. We yeah. want to be in sync with the Spirit of God. Yeah. Well, and and this is also a good place to even say for those women mm-hmm. you're married to a man who doesn't follow Jesus mm-hmm. what do you do mm-hmm. well you be in sync with him as much as you possibly can mm-hmm. under common grace mm-hmm. but if he ever asks you to do something that goes against the conviction that God has placed in your heart based upon his scripture then you can no longer be in sync with your spouse because to be in sync with your spouse is to be out of sync with the Spirit. Mm. And that goes in line with what we see later on in this passage when the authorities say, you you no longer need to be teaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. So, yeah. so for... For wives, when when your husband would ask you to do something that goes against the teachings of Scripture, you will have to tell tell him, mm. "I must obey God rather than obeying you," because ultimately, the in sync life of a believer is always going to strive to be in symphony and in harmony and in agreement with the spirit. And so, but then, you know, and it's like I was telling, I was telling um, a, a lady who came up to me this past weekend and had a, gave me basically that example, what does she do? And and that's where Peter would say that you can win your husband without a word, that you're, you're going to show, you're going to embody faithfulness and holiness and distinctiveness as a child of God through the way you behave and act in front of your Husband, and so so that that would just be another example of this this idea of being in sync, and so because at, at the end of the day we do want to seek the common good in, in the world as believers we we do want to somehow find find some some common agreement and harmony in the world but but we know this that there does come a point in time when what the world portrays and what the world would project on us and what the world would would want from us, we cannot give them because at that point to be in sync with the world would be uh, to to be out of sync with the spirit, and so and that, this is where I feel like you know of issues around you know sexuality and all of that. Like I, I mean, I'm seeing that I really do see that the 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 pressures of the world. You, you know, are pressuring us to be in sync with them, and, and some are falling in sync with the world around these these issues and these topics, and and to 
to fall in sync with the world is to fall out of sync with the spirit. And think about think about what what the consequences are to be out of sync with the spirit. No more power. Hmm. So 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 no more spirit power when you become out of sync with him. Hmm. You become more susceptible for other temptations because again you 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 leave you you become vulnerable hmm. when you when you're no longer living by power because you have chosen to fall out of sync with power. Hmm. And so so those are the and that's and and then that eventually and then if you could, then if you could imagine that that affecting a a church body, mm. why is it that 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 so many churches today in the U.S. fail to have power? Mm. Because at some point, whether intentionally or unintentionally, they have they have become out of sync with the spirit. Mm. And so, so that that's the and we we don't want that consequence, right? That that you know, and so that's I mean, again, that's heavy. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. This has been a a heavy, uh, but a good, a real, or a raw conversation. Yeah. Well, and and there is something that again I didn't get to, and I, I do want 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 to make mention of this because it's actually very fascinating. Okay. So. Verse eleven, and and I did did read verse eleven, but great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, this is the first time Luke uses the word ecclesia, which is a term that means the called out ones. Mm. Now, but it was a secular Greek term that described more of a political body that met and talked about the city or state policies. And so, so what? What again? This is the first time Luke uses the word ecclesia in the book of Acts. Mm. And so, what does that mean? So, the church is the citizens of the kingdom of God that have been called out of the world, but actually sent back into the world to do business on behalf of the kingdom of God. Mm. And so, so I, I don't think it's a mistake that Luke uses ecclesia for the first time here in this, mm. you know, with, with this passage. Great fear sees the whole church. What he's reminding the church of is that you are the called out ones, mm. that you are now, you have to remember that you are citizens of the kingdom of God. You are no longer citizens of the kingdom of man. You no longer need to act as citizens of the kingdom of man. He's called you out. You are now doing business on behalf of the kingdom of God, his glory, his mission, his work in the world. And so therefore, there is a higher standard to which he has called you. Mm. There is a new life into which he has called you. You are the ecclesia. And so so that's where, and so therefore now your heart needs to beat like Jesus. Your focus needs to be on the gospel. You need to practice radical generosity. You need to let your yes be yes and your no be no. You need to surrender all to Jesus. You need to confront sin. You need to confess sin. You need to have soft hearts that are confessional. And so so that that's that that's in that word ecclesia when for the first time he's going to use it in the book of Acts. And so so I, I think that would be a great place to end. So Amen. That's a great place to end. We have so enjoyed this conversation. Um well Northland we want you to know that you are loved. We are grateful for you. Thanks for tuning in and and digging in with us at each week. Come back next week as we continue to learn together. See you next time.
Bye. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.